words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So you lie there, basking in the warmth, your surface rubbed smooth by the restless seas, the relentless wearing grind of sand and water. But at last you are where you've longed to be, high on the beach, enjoying your place in the sun, safe. At the first birth pangs of creation, you were hurled by the hand of God into the infinities of space. For millions of years, you lay in the dark beneath the waves. But gradually, millimeter by millimeter, you were hauled by tides and eddies along the ocean floor until at last you are thrown by the waves onto the beach. Days pass and years Bit by bit, you edge your way up the shingle, fraction by fraction, millimetre by millimetre, inch by inch, to your place in the sun, warm and perfect, and you have arrived at last. Then along come a cheerful dad and his wee boy, and the dad says, I bet you, son, I can skiff that stone seven times. And the stone is picked up and hurled back 40 million years and sinks ignominiously to the bottom of the sea. Time to start all over again. Rats. Polite version. (laughs) If stones could talk, is that what they would say? Not me, don't take me, take that one there. Do you know how many millennia, how many aeons of time it's taken me to get to this spot? Would they plead for mercy if stones could talk? And what tales the stones could tell of the centuries and the millennia that they had witnessed, the cataclysmic upheavals, the new themes woven into the social fabric? The brutal, crazy march of history. Oh, the stones have seen it all. Watched silent as the world turned again and again. Once proud temples to indestructible deities. Now a pile of rubble over which the tourists clamber. If the stones could speak, what tales they would tell. And none more eloquent, I'm sure, than the stones of Israel. Carved into desert fortresses and soaring temples, tramped across by countless armies, witness to the drama that was God's chosen people. The Bible is full of stones. Special stones. Great big stones used as pillows by terrified Old Testament tribesmen. Surrounded by the sullen wilderness, yet meeting God at Bethel, where the fear was most crippling. Small stones, slung and flung by shepherd boys in no contest shootouts with giants. Stones made into sacred altars for holy sacrifices or for foul idolatries. Plenty of stones. The Bible is full of stones. Hunger ached in him 
I promise you, you have never felt hunger like this. His eyes swam with the heat, the dust, the gnawing fierceness of the hunger all those days. Turn the stones to bread, the seductive voice whispered. Who would know you're all alone out here? Much more of this and you'll be dead anyway. Turn the stones into bread. What's the point of having power if you can't use it? If you won't use it, you can do it. Or maybe you can't do it. Stones into bread. Stones into bread. An insistent drumbeat in the brain. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Temptation, tugging, relentless temptation, just where it hurt most, is overcome in the power of God and the sheer commitment to his destiny. And the story can continue as it is meant to. They hated his presumption, the carpenter's son, with the dubious pedigree, telling them about God's purposes, as if he had some kind of direct line to God. They were offended by his air of authority. He was just a local boy who had gotten ideas above his station. And now all this dangerous talk about being the fulfillment of the Old Testament, as if. Religious sensibilities were bruised. He could give this town a bad name. He could bring trouble here. He needs to be got rid of. Take him and stone him. The lynch mob mentality. He's either mad, bad or dangerous or all three best dispose of the problem before it becomes too big to be disposed of. So they manoeuvre him towards the killing zone, discreetly located at the edge of the village, Hurl him over the incline and stone him to death. That would sort out the problem once and for all. To their annoyance, he slips through the crowd and away to safety. And the moment is gone. Most unfortunate, most inconvenient. No good will come of this, you may be sure. The woman deserved to die. So the rule book said... So the self-righteous, self-appointed kangaroo court said, the adulteress, the harlot, they stood around, their faces hard with self-righteousness and judgment. She deserved to die. What shall we do with her? They demanded to know of the master. He wrote in the sand, scrawled with his finger in the dust, The woman trembled. Her life would depend on the answer he gave. Stone her, he said. They smiled in triumph. We've got you now, whore. But, he added, let the one among you who is without sin cast the first stone. After a long silence, one by one, they dropped the rocks that they held so tightly and shuffled off, burning with shame, seeing themselves for the first time in a long time. The woman raised her eyes. Does no one condemn you? Nor do I. Go and sin no more.
Simon, you have such strength and such vulnerability. On the faith of people like you, on the courage of people like you, I will build my church. Simon, it's sometimes as if you haven't understood a thing I'm saying, understood what this is all about. It isn't about sitting on a throne and lording it over other people. It is about serving and dying to self. There is a cross in all of this for me and for you. Simon, listen to me. I've prayed for you that you will be a rock for the others, for the future, in the face of what will come. And no longer will you be called Simon, but Peter the Rock. And from a whole collection of living stones with faith like yours, the church will be built and will go on being built. Stones like you, shaped by my spirit into men and women of faith and courage, faithfulness and love. And Christ, the cornerstone, the stone the builders rejected, the cornerstone of that wonderful, perplexing, frustrating, glorious church. He rides into town, and the crowd cheers him on, and why not? It's festival time. Time to do daft things like riding on a donkey as if you were some Old Testament hero coming in peace and with laughter into the ancient city. Through the ancient gate, past the city walls, their large blocks of stone, huge with history. And it's as if the stones of that haunted city do indeed shout out and tell the people, pay attention here, listen to your history, realise what this is all about and in what significant times you are living. We talk of places being steeped in history, and nowhere more so than Jerusalem, where the prophets were misunderstood and reviled, and kings ruled, and the soul of the nation was won and lost on countless occasions. Into that cauldron of time and trouble, that crucible of Israel's hopes and dreams, that place of so many disappointments and failures, crimes and catastrophes, one more pale rider comes. The donkey's hooves clip-clip-clopping on the cobbles. And the shouts and the cheers of the children celebrating, anticipating, setting the agenda for the coming week. Enthusiastic, unable to contain their joy. Is it all going to be different now? Is the kingdom come? Has our king come at last? The ancient stones of the old city had seen and heard it all. Seen them come, seen them go. We don't need another hero. Could they ever have imagined that 2,000 years later, awestruck pilgrims, followers of the donkey-riding king, would wander and wander among the ancient stones of that city and feel history and miracle throb through the soles of their feet. As the tour guide explains, and and this is where the procession came, down this hillside, through this gateway here, and here was where the final act took place. Could they ever dream those ancient stones of the city of Jerusalem that thousands of miles away, 
in a, a time of supersonic airplanes and hadron colliders and internet and all those things. 2,000 years later, people would meet here to sing songs about that king. And say, yes, we, we have a king who rides a donkey. This is how he does things. This is how he changes the world by changing people's hearts and putting their love, his love in there so that they can then go and change the world. No big statues on big, mighty steeds. Just our king coming in love and vulnerability to save the world. Thanks be to God for the gospel. We spend some music, some time with music now, as we reflect on these things, and then we'll bring our prayers for others.